Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Thanos to Theos, a podcast for youth and student workers committed to reaching teens with the gospel, featuring conversations ranging from comics and culture to theology and youth ministry. We're part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes Ask Alice, the Rooted Parent Podcast, and the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. And we love to be part of this organization of Rooted because of their central focus on gospel-centered youth ministry uh, and their commitment to reaching and equipping both teens, but especially youth workers and parents, uh, with theologically deep ministry and gospel-centeredness. So if you want to learn more, please check out the website, www.rootedministry.com. I'm one of your hosts, Clark Phobes, and here are my co-hosts. I'm Mike McGarry. And I'm Kevin Yee. Now, I know it's been a while since we had any sort of youth ministry-focused podcast. Uh, we've been drinking from the fire hose of MCU content. And what a delicious fire hose. And what a treat it's been. Uh, of then Eternals. Of, <laughs> of, of Disney Plus and movie theaters just shoving more and more down our throats. Uh, much of which was backed up because of the pandemic, right? A lot of releases that were pushed back. But we wanted to really take this opportunity to focus and hone in on this other side of our podcast that maybe you listeners or maybe we as hosts feel that's been neglected a little bit, which is the theology and youth ministry side. And as much as we want to talk about theology and the application to youth ministry with all of our episodes, we thought it'd be great and helpful to just do a specific episode focused in on this topic. And, um, Especially as we talked about at the beginning with being part of Rooted, Rooted being a gospel-centered youth ministry organizations. Um, one of the things that we talk a lot about in Rooted is this, uh, this whole aspect of moving our youth ministries to be more and more gospel-centered. Um, taking it from, you know, the reformers, if you will, reformed and always reforming, but, you know, always asking the question, how do we grow to be more centered on Christ and to lead our parents and our students in ministries to do the same as well? And so that's one of the topics we want to talk about today. But also with that, we've been in this constant season of flux, of change, whether that was the pandemic, ministry transitions for so many people that have been going on, uh, and just the huge influx nature of the world of our students that COVID has brought and and just the nature of youth ministry itself. So, so what we want to do today uh, is hopefully we can thread this, but to talk about the idea of leading through change in youth ministry. And then all of us can share a little bit about how we led through change specifically when it's come to this gospel centeredness in youth ministry. So first of all, guys, um, maybe just talk a little bit about as things have been changing right now, um, how has that been for you in seeing us still lead the youth ministry uh, as we're sort of on the other side of COVID, but not really. Um, <laughs> but not really. But not really. It was kind of a fake out. And so there's just so much change we've had to deal with. And also just by nature of youth ministry being an influx ministry, um, what are some things you guys have learned or, or even just struggles you found as it comes to leading through change? Yeah, I think one thing that I realized the other day when I was talking with a friend is I, I've been at my current church for about 28 months, roughly. And roughly. 20, <laughs> 20 months and 13 yep, days. And 20, well, no, I mean, so what? it's relevant why I'm counting in months. Um, so 28 months and 22 of those months have been during COVID. There it um, is. And during during those months, we have now come, we've now restructured the youth ministry eight times oh, in eight those times? in those 22 months. Oh man! Uh, well, just in terms of like we've changed right. what what does youth group look like? Right. 
What what not just like for one random week, but for a like this is our plan, giddy up, let's go. Sometimes that plan was only executed for two weeks before right. we had to change it up again. But you needed a plan. But it was still a plan that we needed to put in gear. Right. Um so it wasn't just a oh, this is what we're doing this Sunday. It's like actually building a plan and system for that plan to move forward and then realizing that was a bad plan and now we need a new one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so everyone like, else in the world. Exactly. So it's just exhausting. Yeah. So for listeners who are listening in um, and kind of just feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm a new youth worker. Um, maybe I'm a veteran youth worker and I just am really tired and I don't know why. Um, this is probably why. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, it's a really tiring season. And whenever you need to change the plan, even if it's to make a better plan, and even if it's to strengthen what you're doing, it's just, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And it's just emotionally taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, so hang in there and don't give up. Don't quit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel that. Um I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. And I'll echo that too. Even from someone who left youth ministry before the pandemic because of how tiring youth ministry already was. Um, I did youth ministry for, I think, about a decade before I switched out into the last role at my previous church, which was um, still students, but college, young adult, and, and worship. And, uh, and one of the reasons I had to make that switch was because youth ministry, it just felt like it was always in flux. You know, it felt like it's never, like it's never settled. You're always recruiting new volunteers. There's always large turnover in the youth ministry. So you're losing your student leaders that you spent, you know, anywhere from four, two, three, four, up to seven years uh, training. And so just that nature already was tiring for me. Um and now that I'm back in youth ministry, uh, in the midst of COVID, nonetheless, I I feel it as much as I've you know getting back into it is enjoyable for me. I do feel that fatigue um, of just like there's this constant need to keep up with things, almost you know, like youth ministry is this ever rolling boulder, and I'm just trying to run to keep up with it without getting rolled over and squashed by it. Yeah. Do you guys hear? Uh, AirPods are no longer cool. It's all about the wired what? earpods. Oh, those are back in. <laughs> those are back in because of yeah. COVID. Uh, it's just like TikTok <laughs> I, stuff. It's like TikTok uh, fashion trends. It's, oh it's, wow! Yeah, there's Whatever. just so many things to be on top of. So all those old ones that I threw away, I should have kept. To be you should have kept because now you're not cool anymore. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I I agree with you guys that it's it's been tiring and exhausting to always have to switch the things that we're doing. Um, I know I was like, what you switched eight times, but I think, yeah, (laughs) I actually think if I sat there and thought about all the changes that we've made, it would probably be around the same uh, Mm -hmm. for us too. And then on top of that, student ministry in and of itself is always in flux because you have new students come in every year and you have students leave every year. And I feel like for whatever reason, just um, this the last couple of years of that has been even more exhausting. Um, and not just from, I think, a physical, uh, mental standpoint, but really exhausting from an emotional standpoint. 
um, just because it's it's hard to keep track of where students are. I think um, spiritual apathy is a real issue and a real problem um, that a lot of us are fighting. Um, and I and I just uh, I think the the hardest thing for me. So I'm just like you, Clark. I was um, doing college young adults, and then during COVID, switched over back into youth ministry, and just how much has changed just over like the year and a half that I was out of youth ministry um, and just readjusting to that. Um, I recently actually had a meeting with uh, some of our student leaders just to ask them, um, like after all this craziness, uh, just to ask them like, how are you doing and how are we doing as a ministry? And I just kind of did like a, it was like a weird advertising focus group type situation. <laughs> like I sat there with the, in a, in a circle and how had this whiteboard. Yeah. Person. And we just like <laughs> wrote down like all these things that they were feeling. And I realized actually the way that they were feeling has been the way that I've been feeling about youth ministry, hmm. which I thought was fascinating. Um, so they're exhausted. They're tired. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. That's you know all the switching and different things like that. And and the weird thing is everyone's like, but we understand why it has to be this way. But we're just really tired about it. And yeah. everybody left that meeting actually just feeling super encouraged by the fact just that we all feeling were, so seen, right? Yeah, yeah, like we were all on the same page. Like I felt that way, right? Because I was like, okay, I can talk about this freely with the students, and I think they'll understand. They won't see this as me complaining. I think it'll actually be a point of like a relationship building to just be like, like this is all tiring, this is all exhausting, but um, this is how we all feel, and this is something that we all need to support each other with. We need to talk about these things. Um, and so, yeah, I left that meeting very encouraged. Um, but at the same time thinking, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't know. Well, now what? I have no answers. <laughs> Just more ideas. Let's throw the, you know, spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks type of situation. <laughs> but I will say, because we've had that conversation together, I do feel like there's a little bit more willingness to like try to do that and understand why we're doing it. So yeah. Yeah. Just as a mm -hmm. practical thing, that that's something that was really helpful this season. So as we as we think about this now, like maybe answering that question, Kevin, now what? Like what do we do? Um, what are some other things you guys have found that's like really you've either learned or grown from or is helpful for us as youth workers when it comes to leading through and navigating change, whether or not that's COVID and all that we've seen the last two years, or just youth ministry, the nature of change in youth ministry in general. Well, so this is kind of related to that, but I, I had a, actually a question that's related to this too. But have you guys done things significantly different with your volunteers in terms of the ways in which you've led through, I think, what, you know, what we're talking about in terms of the exhaustion and stuff? Well, yes, Kevin. I've given them a copy of Lead Them to Jesus, a handbook for youth workers, and it has revolutionized the entire ministry. Speaking They're of all now well-equipped theologically and practically with all the skills necessary that go into student Wait, wait, wait. Ministry. I didn't say we were ready for an ad break yet, Mike. <laughs> Sorry, I, could, I couldn't help it. Couldn't help the hey. blatant self-pitch. Yeah, yeah. I lobbed it over, and you spiked it down. So, Congratulations. 
Thank you. Thank you. So thank good. You. You, even, you even did the salesman voice. <laughs> so for any of our listeners that don't know, we have talked about this on a previous show, but our one of our co-hosts, Mr. Mike McGarry, Michael McGarry. Doc, uh, Reverend Dr. Michael <laughs> D. McGarry <laughs> Clark. I um I'm embarrassed for you to say the doctor, so I'm not going. All to. right, <laughs> hey hey, you know what? You don't get to tease me about it till you finish yours, okay, Bucko? I know, oh. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm more of a doctor than you are. Uh, you are, Just you are. I'll give you then that. You'll have the real degree. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> um. So Mike released a book, which was you released it during COVID. I believe you also wrote. All of it I during wrote, COVID? I wrote mo- most of it yeah. during COVID. You wrote COVID. most of it yep. during COVID. Um, mm-hmm. Lead Them to Jesus, a handbook for youth uh, youth student workers. Um, so that's something you've put in the hands of your youth volunteers. Yes. And uh, without, you know, tooting your own Clark, horn. Clark, what about you? Huh? Have you bought I... enough copies? <laughs> I've, I've, I've. We're going it's off on the, the plan. rails today. It's on the plan. It's, 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 it's in the budget for it's next in the budget. year. It's in the budget yeah, we'll, for this we'll year. For this that. year, I told we'll you guys that. I wanted to, but as a new guy, I didn't want to go and you know spend a ton of money on one of my friends. I'm books. so mean to ask you right now. <laughs> I didn't want to be that new youth pastor. Like, hey guys, let's spend hundreds of dollars on this great new book. Oh, by the way, my friend wrote it. <laughs> I'm new. I've only been here two months. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, so it is interesting though because I I did write the book and I I honestly didn't even intend for this to actually become like a pitch. But to answer Kevin's actual question, like I I wrote the book for for youth teams of volunteer youth workers to be able to read it and discuss it together because each chapter is only, you know, four pages long or so. Right, right. So it's actually pretty digestible and everything. Um so that's why there are 40 chapters, because they're short. Um, but it's been really hard to even meet in person yeah. and remotely, yeah. because everyone's schedule has just been so thrown off. So honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm the author of the book, and I've struggled with how to effectively utilize it to equip my volunteers, which is what I wrote the book for. Um, so anyone out there who's kind of struggling with, with training and equipping your new youth volunteers, um, yeah, like join the club. Um, cause the guy who wrote the book on it is struggling with it. Well, it's just hard. I mean, honestly, yeah, I am. Um, I I wish that I was using the book more effectively. Um, not cause I'm trying to toot my own horn or anything, but because I, I legitimately wrote it for my own use in ministry, um, which is honestly why I think it'll be helpful in the long run for people. Um, But it's just so hard to get people together consistently um, to to be able to use the book. When we have, we've had really good um, and helpful conversations. Yep. But just getting people together each month um, which is what you know I've done my entire ministry, and now COVID's really thrown that off. So we're starting to get back into that rhythm now that people are less timid about getting together. So I think we're starting to get back on track, but it's been it's been tough. Yeah. And to follow that and answer your question, Kevin, I it's been the same for us. We we've had 
it's been pretty inconsistent with meeting. I met with my youth. I mean, I've only been at my church like four months now, if even that. And we've met three times, I think. Um, and so the approach I've just kind of taken, knowing that while I'm still, you know, building relationships with them and trying to build up this team, which like I'm so grateful for is already existent and it's a really great team. But um, I've kind of just taken the approach of like, let's just take it one month at a time, you know, like not not setting anything regular because I know how tired people are and how influx things are. And we're really just playing it like month to month. And so, you know, a couple of those times we met, it was really just like getting a bearings of ourselves of where we are, whether it was like being aware of our own discipleship, uh, our own spiritual pulse, like you were saying with your leaders, Kevin, or um, even just talking about what still drives us right now in youth ministry, like a mission and vision recap or, you know, refocus. Uh, because I think we just, we kind of need that space to just almost like let go a little bit of, of what's, what we want to do that's regular and just allowing ourselves to be led a bit more by the big picture for now, because it just feels like we don't have much to hold on to that's concrete, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel seen by both of you guys. <laughs> it's like... It's like that's legitimately the struggle too. Um, I'm literally in the same boat as Mike. I got the book for all my youth leaders, but we have not met consistently. Thank enough. you. Yeah, we have <laughs> not met consistently enough to like really work through it. Uh, and the the we've met we've had sort of three in person um, volunteer uh, meetings uh, since the fall that have been mm-hmm. decently attended where we were mm-hmm. able to work through the material. So what we, what I did was um, I assigned two chapters that week. And then we would read the chapters and then we would discuss in small groups and we had some really good discussions from it for sure. So um, I definitely recommend it as a as an easy way for us to talk about issues in youth ministry. But yeah, it's just the consistent meeting has been tough. But yeah, it's, yeah. I like it's what hard. you said about um, I like what you said about gathering together to just focus on big picture stuff. Um, that actually that actually makes a lot of sense because I feel like that's what we've lost is the ability to remember what the big picture is and why we're doing what we're doing. Right. right. Um, even just in the last couple months with the, you know, Omicron wave and surge with our volunteers, not really sure they can even come to church mm-hmm. because of, you know, potential exposure or they got COVID or something. And so like every Sunday, we're just scrambling to put together our Sunday service mm-hmm. and a Sunday youth program and stuff. And so I think being so in the trenches of just going from week to week uh, not being able to sort of pop your head up and to look at what the landscape actually looks like, I think has been overall not a great thing for a volunteer because volunteers, because I think that's more exhausting and it's more tiring because you lose sight of what this is all for and what this is all about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely giving me something to think about mm. in terms of how to structure some of our conversations and volunteer meetings going forward. And then Mike, as you were saying, like with everybody's, I think what happened with everybody's schedules in the fall was that people were just so excited to be like back in person for stuff and doing all these things. And like our students and I think just families overloaded the schedule with stuff. Cause it was like, right, yay, right. things are coming back to normal. We could just go ahead and do everything again. Yes. And then without realizing <laughs> that we're just, we're way more exhausted than we thought we were. And then also it just got like tiring to do anything. And that's yeah. all I heard was just, complaining about not complaining about but just like expressing how tired everybody is all the time well because we went from like a screeching halt to being stopped for a year and a half 
and now we're like so pent up we're trying to just like race ahead exactly back up to full speed and it, yeah. it's just we're feeling that with um so so you mentioned that Kevin the whole idea of like needing to focus on big picture I don't think any of us would say like we want to go through this season of covid on top of what's already tiring or difficult with change. Um, but one thing, if I could say there's one silver lining, it's that with this like this big catalyst for rapid change has come this huge opportunity to pause, or maybe not pause, but even just like reconsider everything we're doing. Um, I think there's a lot more chance to actually ask the question, why do we do what we do? You know, because we can, we're not expected to do anything. We can't really do anything right now. So we can ask those questions. And so maybe this is where, it, where it's even a chance for us to ask this question, how do we lead our ministries in a way that is gospel-centered? Um, and so maybe if you guys can speak into, we've all gone through this shift in the past of realizing, coming to a point where we realize when we got convicted about the gospel and threading it through all of ministry and what we call it rooted the five pillars of youth ministry, which we'll mention a bit, um, we, a change had to happen. And so we went through that. And so maybe if you guys could speak into a little bit, how did you work through that? Um, what were the, the good fruit and the hardships in that? And even maybe right now in this season, can we think of how we can tangibly encourage those in youth ministry, even ourselves, to continually form our youth ministries to be gospel-centered as we're working through such a difficult season of change. Yeah, I can I can start us off by telling uh, people what not to do. That's yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be your next book. Uh, yeah, for real though. For How real. Not I'm sure to it would sell a lot. What not to do? <laughs> Honestly, how not to be like Mike? You want a bestseller? Um, there you go. Yeah. So um, I, I'd been going through this this gospel shift and. Uh, reading all these books and reading all these blogs and everything. Um, and this was before I had ever attended a Rooted conference. And I, I'd written some for the blog and had read the blog and, and everything. But was still like going through this journey of figuring out what does gospel-centered youth ministry even look like and everything. And so I met with my youth leaders at the beginning of the summer to just evaluate the youth ministry and to share some of the things that I'd been reconsidering about, you know, kind of the overall overarching story of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation and the role of scripture and in our ministry. And, you know, are we doing too much attractional entertainment type of stuff? And, um, you know, really evaluating some of these um, big philosophical questions. And so um, I kind of threw out an idea for restructuring the ministry and what I think that could look like. And they were all like, okay. So I was like, wait, really? And they're like, yeah, sure. So <laughs> over the course of one summer, I had been at the church for, I think like seven or eight years by that point. Uh, we literally blew up the entire youth ministry infrastructure that had by, by that point been become pretty well established. Yeah, And we rebuilt the entire ministry um wow and shock of all shocks it did not go well um <laughs> so i was i was floored um when it wasn't <laughs> incredible i was like i know they say not to do this 
And I tell We're young youth, I tell young whippersnappers not to lead like this either. <laughs> but this is amazing, and everyone's on the same page, and it's gonna be great. And then I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's what everyone who makes stupid <laughs> changes says. Everyone says. That's why. <laughs> everyone says, but ours is different. This yeah. is different. Yeah. So just choose what I wish I did instead of restructuring the entire ministry was I wish I just changed the way I taught consistently over a school year while mm -hmm. having a series of... um conversation uh seminars whatever mm -hmm. with parents and right. with my youth leaders to make sure that we were actually on the same page and make mm -hmm. one make one change per school year um and in three years then you have a gospel-centered youth ministry right, right that looks different instead of doing it all in like <laughs> a two-month period blow it all up and pick up the pieces after yeah i was so eager and foolish that's helpful actually i don't think i've ever heard anyone say like these changes should take time like three years four years five years i think if i if i heard that advice at the beginning it probably would have made a lot of sense for me to slow down but I think because I was so convicted that this is the right way to go and what I had been doing was wrong. <laughs> was mm -hmm. just, we can't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to like, do it gotta, the wrong way. Yeah. Right, we, have right. to, we have to 180 degrees. You yeah. Know? Uh, right. It was that kind of thing. Yeah. The way I put it now is think big but start small. Um, so you want to have the, the big picture in mind of where you want to head up, of right. where you want to end up. And make the easiest change from where you are in that direction to start building trust and to start showing and demonstrating mm -hmm. what right. you're trying to lead towards. Right. Um, and then take the next easy step from there. And as you start making small and easy changes in the right direction, then you're winning credibility to make medium-sized changes and right. so forth. Right. So if you can change your teaching, that's usually something that you have control over and that pe honestly, people aren't really even going to notice, <laughs> right? <laughs> like it's just happening. Yeah. Um, and maybe over time, I think some people start to say, oh, hey. Over time, they'll notice. He's teaching differently right. now. Right. You know, or right. she's teaching differently right. now. Yeah. But it's more of a yeah. soft change than a hard change in like right. program. Like don't make program changes in the first yes. year. Yeah. Uh, make attitude and convictional changes, but not program changes. Yeah. Well, and I think even that goes to the heart of when we talk about gospel-centered youth ministry, so much of the heart behind it is one that is driven by how Jesus changes the heart, right? Through the gospel, through the power of the gospel. Yeah. And so not relying on a program or a programmatic thing to make the change for us. Although that needs to happen at some point, right? We yeah. need fruits of the gospel. We need outward actions of it. But... If it starts with the heart, then we can start there also when it comes to change. Right. It's a good word. Yeah. I think one of the things that, um, so on the topic of like what not to do, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that I didn't realize is that I think there's a difference between sort of gospel-centered teaching and gospel-centered culture. Yeah. And I think mm, gospel-centered culture takes yeah, a lot longer huge. to develop. That's really good. And I think I was frustrated with the fact that the gospel culture wasn't coming alongside mm -hmm. gospel-centered teaching. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so I think because of that, there was this, so there was a weird period of time where to me, those things were, were hand in hand. And so because that wasn't happening at the same time, it felt like, why isn't everybody getting with the program type right. situation? And so that led to, I think a lot of, I wasn't super young, but youthful anger. I don't know how to put it or like, I don't know, the reformed Calvinistic stage, cage stage type situation, <laughs> yeah. but like having to do specifically with like youth ministry practices. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I have a lot of regrets from that period of time because like Mike, I, I switched too fast. And then I think my expectations for change were way too high. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is, I think, I'm not going to blame anybody, but part of that is I think there's a there's a promise associated with sort of like the change, the transformation that takes place when you do gospel centered ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think again, like, like, and it's true, the change is true, but it's, if you're hearing it in a compressed timeline, you're going to be frustrated with the fact that truth be told, like, I think for our church and our ministry, it's taken a decade right, to get to that right. point where I'm really like, I think people finally understand gospel culture now, you know? Right. Um, and it takes a really, really long time, I think, to get to that point. And, and part yeah. of it is it has to change in me. Mm-hmm. And right. I think it, it takes a, like that sanctification process in me uh, took a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and culture changes so slow. Like if uh-huh. if ministry culture is the stuff we do without thinking about it, like that's right. the way I define ministry culture, right? Like what do we do unintentionally? Yeah. How long do you think that takes to shift? Like, that's not something you're going to change over a summer. Right. You mean you know? verse by verse preaching is not going to change that right away? <laughs> so uh, the, yeah. the law can change the culture quickly. <laughs> but if you want to be a gospel-centered youth ministry, then you got to let the gospel do its work over right. a period of time. Yeah. Well, and so here's, to me, here's the good news is that outside of the good news of Jesus Christ, but the good news is that youth ministry, because it is such a ministry that's constantly in flux, I feel like we have a shorter time period that's necessary to make that gospel culture or that culture shift happen, right? Like, whereas I think a lot of, when I think about like the church as a whole, you're dealing with generations of people that have been in a church or a ministry that have just come to expect ministry to be done a certain way for sometimes decades, um, whereas in youth ministry, it's almost like every three, four upwards of seven years, you get a hard reset button, right? Right. Where you, you're almost like you have this freedom to, to blow everything up if you want, but at least to make those necessary steps. Um, and, and likewise, you know, when you have the turnover that, that is often the case, unfortunately with youth volunteers, although, you know, not always, um, yeah. That also allows you to constantly be able to instill a new culture in your youth volunteers, which then hopefully trickle down to the students. Yeah. Like if you mm. leave too quick, you cannot change the culture. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's true. Definitely. Very true. Um, and, and so that's where I would say even now during this prolonged season of the pandemic, I do think that's where there's, like I mentioned, the silver lining because we get this chance because everything's been blown up for us, you know? We almost have this uh, somewhat of an empty, empty slate um, to start to approach some of that. And so I guess the word of encouragement I give to 
those listeners or just all of us like thinking about changing our youth ministry, this is a chance we have. And, and I'm thinking about this too, as I'm new in my youth ministry, because there's been a lot that's been told me as I've come in, like, well, this is what we usually do. You know, this is what we've done in the past. And, um, I just haven't seen it cause they haven't done it in like two years. Mm-hmm. So as much as I think they, they want to do that again, the expectation is lower than normal. And so what I'd say is like, this is a chance now take some inventory to pause and ask the question, is everything we were doing before actually helping the gospel shape the lives of teens and families? Is everything that we've programmed or structured, like in the past, not right now, because obviously we, we have no control of that, but in the past, was that the best way? And now as we continue to try to come out of it, we can ask and evaluate this question. Is there another way that would be more conducive in my context? Um, when I was, so when I was first making this shift, um, I, I had the I had the big, you know, blessing of being part of a youth ministry that had a long tradition of, uh, you know, not, I wouldn't say fully gospel centrality, but it was there. Like they were used to hearing the gospel preached regularly. Um, theological depth and expository teaching were expected. Like that was a high value of this church. Yeah, that's cool. Um, relational discipleship, another one of the five pillars was embedded into the way the ministry was structured. Really the only two of the pillars that weren't there and were probably even neglected to some point were partnership with parents and intergenerational integration. And a lot of that was because I was serving in an immigrant church context. So not only did they think it wasn't possible, it was even frowned upon in some ways because they're just like any inner any intermingling would require more, you know, logistical confusions or, or discrepancies with translation or just getting the congregations together or whatnot. And so I had kind of just accepted that, like, hey, we do three of these five pillars really well, and I'm going to cut my losses and take the wins. <laughs> and I had just grown to be okay with that. I've been doing youth yeah. ministry for a long time at that point. Under the, those three principles that I thought were good, I saw the gap, but I just didn't think it was a big enough problem to tackle it. But more and more, as I saw the the research and the data, as I learned from Rooted, and then even more, I became convicted through scripture that parents were the primary disciplers, that kids needed lasting relationships outside of youth ministry with adults for lifelong discipleship. I just couldn't shake the conviction that like something had to be done. And so um, the very first step that we made was was actually canceling our Sunday youth service. And that was a huge uproar in the church. Um, and I definitely could have gone through that change better. I I took my time, but not probably as long as I needed to. I didn't blow it up over a summer. I did it over like a semester. Um, but you know, that was six a better months... decision than just the summer. <laughs> yeah, six months is still not that much time for something that the church has been doing for its entirety of its youth ministry. So, uh, not wise there. Um, but so that was the first step we took in talking with the senior pastor, coming through alignment together with our teaching series, and just having the kids in the service all the time. And then slowly starting to meet with parents that could get on board with that vision and just help me because I had no idea what to do. And so for me, it was just trying to ask the question, like as I was evaluating the ministry, I was looking at what I had, just really coming to a point and saying like, something has to give because we can't keep doing what we're doing otherwise we're, you know, we're not going on conviction. So that's something I would say just to right now in the midst of it, like something has been given up. What is it that we can look at now and ask the question, um, how can we lead, be led by conviction and the spirit and um, and hopefully lead through some change that needs to happen in the season 
coming. All right. So can I put you on the spot then, Clark? So as someone someone who's starting (laughs) now, obviously not like calling out, what do you see in your church that he's Um, I'll be gone from my church. Yeah. Yeah. How to get Clark fired on Thanos the Theos coming to you. Um, You know, so not interested in that, but how are you approaching um, just leadership and leading change differently in your in your new church as you see and identify things that you think should be changed without calling those specifics out just Mm -hmm. in your own heart and in your own kind of soft skills of ministry um how are you how are you leading better now than last time you think yeah I want to say I'm leading better now, but I don't know if I am. So <laughs> maybe yeah. take this I, with the caveat. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Though. <laughs> um, so what the one thing I have consciously done as I've come into the church um, is I had that on my mind when that happened. And there were a lot of parents that were upset at me at my previous church for a while. Um, eventually, you know, eventually they they came to their senses and saw my side and, you know, realized I was right. I'm just kidding. Of course they did. <laughs> but, you know, eventually, like, kind of the noise dies down and then you're able to see the fruit for what it is. Yeah. Um, that's what happened at my old church. But it wasn't the right way to, you know, gain partners in the parents. Right. So with this one, I've come in with this really intentional focus on, like, I, I want to approach these parents as I'm here to partner with you. Um, Whatever that means in your mind, but here's some ways I want to give to you that I think this should look like and mean. And so one of the very first things I did was set up a a parent meet and greet when I was new to the church, and I shared some of my heart and experience in youth ministry. And I tried to just do it in a way that was very, like, matter-of-fact, like, you know, this is what I've seen, this is what I think a lot of the research shows. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, you know? We're going to—we got to figure this out for our church together. Uh, But just putting the values out there so that hopefully they can see this is why I'm here. um, This is what I value. And I really want to do this together, you know, and and leaving the door open for conversation about as to what this will look like. Let's figure it out together. You know, let's journey on that together because I'm new and I need to learn at this church, too. So I would say that's been the biggest posture shift for me. Whereas when I was younger, it was just very much like. This is what we need to do, and this is what it's going to look like. Yeah, get on board or get off. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that change is probably pretty common from when we're younger, right? right. To when we're a, a little more seasoned. Yeah, hopefully. right, right. Yeah, <laughs> and hopefully. it's harder too if you are if you feel like theologically you're on different sides with yeah folks, yes. and I think that yes. makes the the slower change that much more frustrating. Well, and I, I mean, I'll also say this, and um. You know, it's a it's a hard line to to walk, but if you're in a church that's not a gospel centered church and that doesn't really value gospel centrality, and that is much more attractional, big fun events driven, and um, all the all of that um, can of worms. Uh, that's not to say that you know fun events are the enemy or all those <laughs> other caveats. Um, but if you're in a ministry and in a church that convictionally does not share uh, gospel-centered, um, Bible-driven, parent-partnering ministry, <laughs> if you stay Got it. and keep 
trying to lead that change, sometimes you might be the one who's actually causing some division. Yes. Mm. yes. And I learned that the hard way. Yes. And um, it, yeah, it can lead to some really difficult decisions and yeah. conversations. And, um, you know, in, in hindsight, th- there are certain things that you need to embrace about the ch- your church's culture. And um, yeah. if you try leading up and you try leading change in all the humble and respectful ways and te- faithful, patient teaching, and there's still no movement, especially from the leadership in um, coming alongside and on board, um, then you might have a hard decision yeah. to make and say, um, may- I might need to, it might be me who needs mm-hmm. to move. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a yeah. really difficult spot, and you're not a quitter for yeah. for moving on if you have been faithful in trying to lead that change and pursue that um you aren't wrong and you're not giving up and you're not crazy, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great word, and just uh you know as we get into our closing comments uh, as we wrap up our podcast, I'll just piggyback off that and then if you guys want to add anything else in, but you know I think. So when it comes to anything with leading change, like I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Mike, that um, we need to give it some time. And I think sometimes that means being okay with no change for a season. Um, I think especially in a culture where we're so driven by change, uh, not change, but you know, we're driven by productivity, which often comes as a result of change or change is a necessity for it. Sometimes we need a season where we're just committed to the basic things of ministry, like preaching the gospel, like loving people the way Jesus loved us, like pursuing Jesus ourselves, like just the simple things, right? And be okay with that for a season. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so sometimes that means like we're not going to see much change, especially the way we want, like you guys were saying, but that doesn't mean you're not doing a good work for the gospel. Um, and you may not see those fruits later. But eventually as the spirit prompts and leads us, we have to, we have to be ready to change. Um, like when we hit these convictions about we're not doing things in full alignment with what God and he wants or with scripture, or I'm not in alignment with the leadership, then, um, then, you know, then yes, then I think it might be time uh, to have those hard conversations. So I think the last thing I'll just say is like, if we can, like, as we think about our youth ministries, if there's an agreement at least on what those, biblical values are in convictions, then we can hopefully with good, you know, goodwill um, and and cooperation, give those what that actually looks like and how it's fleshed out that longer, uh, longer vision, longer view uh, before we see that change happen. Yeah. Can I, can I end with an excerpt from Mike's book? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> so the last chapter or the last section in his book is called Playing the Long Game in Youth Ministry. Ah. And I think it's it's such a fitting way. There it is. And actually, I read this because it was on my desk, and I read this the other day, and I was like, oh. I swear man. to everyone listening, I have nothing to do with Kevin <laughs> ending it. And I was, like, I was like, Did man. Did you slip him a 20? I, I, I needed. Not. I needed to hear this, and thanks for Venmoing me. I just got your Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> He says, all right, I'm going to read it, and then we can close with it. One of the most helpful reminders that has sustained my zeal for youth ministry, and I feel like giving up, is simply this. I'm playing the long game. 
If your small group time was a train wreck, then dust yourself off, pray for your students, and keep showing up to play the long game. If you say the wrong thing to a kid and they stop talking to you, then don't give up on them, apologize, and keep playing the long game. If you're new and feel like giving up because it's taking a while to connect with students, know that making a sustained effort to establish trust is a necessary part of a thriving youth ministry. Discouragement can harden your heart to the work of God that you cannot simply see, or it can be a cattle prod that drives you to prayerful endurance as you lead students to Jesus. I just thought that was so good. Amen. And, uh, v- a, a very big encouragement. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Thanos of Theos. Uh, we, we really appreciate uh, you tuning in. We appreciate your, your listenership. Uh, and if you want to give us a comment or a question, uh, you can find us on our social media at Thanos of Theos on Twitter or Instagram or email us, thanosotheos at gmail.com. What would really be great is if you enjoyed this or any other episodes is to uh, leave a rating and a review especially so other people can find it and if you want to find more of what we're talking about about this gospel-centered youth ministry idea uh, please do check out the website for rooted www.rootedministry.com thanks everyone and hang in there and keep washing your hands and lead them to jesus amen (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening to this episode of thanos to theos part of the Rooted Network family of podcasts. For more resources designed to equip and encourage you to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ, be sure to find Rooted on the web at www.rootedministry.com.